Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, good morning to you all (laughs) on this Saturday morning, the 20th of May. We're heading for a top of 16 degrees today, a few showers around, but that's certainly not going to dampen our spirits. It was a little bit rainy last night at the footy, but uh, that didn't stop uh, a cracking game, one of the the better games, the best games of the year we've seen so far. Uh, Now, me and Tommy Lyon have just had a a week off to freshen Mm. up. Uh, One of us was... Chasing Akashi in Mildura, <laughs> and uh, the other one was uh, circled around a toilet bowl. Mm. Uh, I'll let you guess which one was doing what, but uh, Tommy Lyons back in. How are you feeling, Tommy? Yeah, not feeling uh, back to my best right now. So good to be back with you, mate. Hey, uh, why don't we start off with a bang? Because we've got so much to get to, obviously, later in the show. We have a massive game, pivotal game for Port Adelaide this season. We're going to pull that one apart. Of course, preview the Crows. Josh Gablich as well is coming on with us to pull apart all the news of the week. But on the line right now, we've got an all-time great from the Adelaide Football Club and the Carlton Football Club, Bryce. We certainly do. And he's one of my favourite players. Obviously, Sir Doug Nichols round yes. kicked off last night. And and this man is doing, well, we all know what he did on the field in terms of uh, turning games on its head and kicking goals from pockets. And he's one of my all-time favourite teammates. And I speak of the great Edward Betts. Hello, Eddie. Good morning to you. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Now, you've been a busy man. You've got so much happening and you've just launched uh, the Eddie Betts Foundation this week to, to make a positive impact in Aboriginal communities through sport and education. Tell us about this this fantastic foundation and, and how it come to, uh, to, to this. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, uh, you know, started third Oak Nichols route. And, yeah, for me, you know, I've been doing, you know, looking after young kids since since I got into the system, and even when I wasn't in the system, um, all I want is for young kids to succeed. And you know, I didn't really have a structure in place. You know, me and my family, we'll open up our house. Kids will come and stay. We'll look after them. We'll we'll help them out. We'll pay for, you know, flights. Um, we'll pay for the uniforms when it comes to sport because they just can't afford it. And uh, we had no structure. And you know, like I said, we're doing it for 15 years and. Um, now I've got the structure in place. I've got the right team in place. And, you know, I feel like I could do this on, on a bigger scale now that I've got this foundation out and really looking forward to to, to this beginning. And, you know, like even when I was at Carlton, early stage snib, you know, we had Christian Yaron there, Jesse Garlett, who we used to look after and try to help and help out the way I can. And Clint uh, Benjamin came, Joey Anderson that came and lived with me and, looked after those boys and then we had Charlie Cameron when I moved to Adelaide and Tyson Stengel uh, moved in with us and all all I want to do is just, just make it an easier pathway when, when they even if they do get an opportunity to play AFL or when it comes to education kids just need opportunities because I know first down the barriers 
um, growing up that I've faced and that I had to overcome to chase, you know, my football dreams, my sporting dreams, education, the whole lot. You know, my my brother actually has to sell his car. He lives in Adelaide and he had mm. to sell his car to, to fly his kids up to, to Wangaratta because there was a basketball tournament and he's a great basketball player. But that sent them back as a family. Now they have no car, you know, and that's where if this, my foundation now set up that could support these families and these kids and just help these kids, you know, chase their dreams and make that a little bit easier for them. So I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. And, you know, this is my passion. You know, I played footy for 17 years. Um, the latest stage of my career, I started enjoying, you know, this more than playing footy. And when that, when that you know, enjoyment for footy is lost and you love this, love the stuff that you're doing outside of footy, I guess that's the time, you know, just to not, not throw footy, but just retire from football and just start your new job and, you know, my new job now is for my people. So I'm um, looking forward to the next next journey. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic initiative, Ed, and, and we all know the, the the amount of work you've done away from the field in, in terms of, you know, educating a, a lot of people on, on your, your people's culture and, um, and, and calling out racism and, and things like this. And, and to start this foundation, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so good for, for young Indigenous lads coming through. Um, has this been in the pipeline for a while? I know you, you certainly are passionate about it and you've just mentioned that just before. Has this been something you've been thinking about for a while now? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, like I said, you know, I've, uh, I've been doing this without a structure um, and I've always wanted to, to do it on a bigger scale and... And to do it on a bigger scale, you have to open up, you know, a non-profit charity, you know, this foundation. And um, now that we've got the, like I said, the structure in place and the right team in place, the team that are all Aboriginal people um, that, that have faced barriers and lived experience and know exactly what it's like growing up within communities. And um, it, it is the passion. You know, Anna said to me, you played, you played 350 games, you kicked some goals, Ed, but uh, your job only starts now. You know, yes, you played 17 years of footy, but that's that's all gone. What you do now, whether you like it or not, is for your people, and you have no choice but to to make change, um, to stand up, use your voice, and make it easier for your people. So, yeah, it is a passion of mine, and um, it, it is a long time coming. But yeah, super excited now that that it's out. You know, we launched in Sir Doug Nichols' round on Wednesday with AFL 360 with Robbo and Jared, and. Now we've just got to continue to do the work that we're doing, but on a bigger scale. Oh, man, that's the feel-good story of the week, I would say. Uh, no doubt that this will have a profound impact on a lot of young Indigenous uh, boys and girls. So that's incredible, Ed. Um, we're just going to pivot now. I saw you uh, covering the game last night on Fox Footy. It was an incredible game in the rain. How did you uh, take it? What did you take away from it? I think, I think that's the way that we, we need to start the round off, I think. You know, when it, the way that it was going, we thought oh, it was going to be a blowout here. Um, but then Melbourne put their foot down in that third quarter. They came back, but they got, they got the three goals up. And then it was great for Port. You know, we spoke about before the game, how uh, Port Adelaide midfielders, these young 23-year-olds, Zach Butters, Connor Rosie, and then you've got Jason Orr Francis in there. How are they going to step up against Clayton Oliver, Petrarca, Jack Viney, these big bulls? And... You know, Gary Lyon said, you know, it's, it's going to be a big test, big test for them. And they showed it last night. You know, we didn't think they were going to be that tough. But when you look at Zach Butters, Connor Rosie, they are a skinny little boy, but they played tough last night in the wet. And they just dominated it. Like Zach Butters, I think the whole AFL world is going to be talking about this kid. You know, 40 disposals, 41 disposals, two goals, 
12 score involvements last night. It was just an unbelievable game. And it's, that's, that's the way we needed to start off the round. Friday night footy, a close game like that. And Port Adelaide, seven on a trot. Since they lost that showdown, their home showdown in Adelaide, you know, Tenny he was under pressure. That the whole town was coming at him. You know, he made a big decision. He dropped Darcy Byrne Jones, coming next week at the sub. They go up to Sydney, they win that game by a point. You know, almost lost it with a kick after after the siren. And from then onwards, they just gel, and it just looks like a complete side where everyone's just playing their role. Everyone's you know excited. They're coming out. They've got that belief back. And when you look at the the old Bulls. Like, Ollie Wines has taken a back, backward step, in a sense. I'll be just letting these young guys go to work and coming in and playing as well. Travis Boke, you know, I spoke last night to Ken Eatley about, you know, the impact that Trevor Boke, he's still playing some great footy, but he took a backward step too. To, you know, give it to these young kids to come through and just play the way that they're playing at the moment. And, you know, he got subbed out last night, um, Trevor Boke, but you can see on the bench when the young kids came to the bench, he was directing, pointing, telling the boy, this is what we need to do, and still showing that leadership, even though, you know, he'd been subbed off with that rib injury. So they're absolutely fine. The town will be buzzing. I mean, like with the Crows as well. But when, when both teams are firing, especially in Adelaide, the town's just buzzing. Um, and, and it's great. Great great for Adelaide and great for the two teams. Yeah, it certainly is, Ed. And I was, that was going to be my next question to you. How do you see your old team going in the Adelaide Crows? You mentioned a lot of the, the young guys at the, the power stepping up and the young guys at the Crows are doing the same thing in, in Rochelle and Rankin and, and Phil Thorpe. So how, how do you see them? They've sort of surprised everyone, but they're going just as well as Port are. If, uh, you know, and both, uh, both teams are informed sides of the competition at the moment. Yeah, like I said, it, it is great for Adelaide when those two teams are, are playing well together. Um, and they, they surprised a lot, a lot of people this year. They've come out, well, I don't think that surprised. We always knew it was going to be a factor. Everyone has been worried to see how Isaac's going to go this year. You know, are they paying him so much money to go over into a, a two-time team and the press is going to be on him? But he's shown that, that he deserved every penny of it. He's come in, he's changed the way that forward line that works. You know, um, Rochelle is exciting. And it just reminds me back from 2017 when we were... We're up and about. Adelaide Oval was buzzing. The Crows fans were there. And it was just great to go to Adelaide Oval to watch the team. You're excited. And they, they played some great football. I mean, Collingwood last week, I think it was, or the week before, that was they were in front the whole whole way. And Collingwood came back and picked them in that last quarter. But they're playing super footy. I know they got Bulldogs at, at Ballarat today. So it should be, should, be a, should be a really good game. And, mate, when Adelaide are flying, it's... It's great to be at the, what do you call it, the Crowbull or, or the Portress? <laughs> One of the two. That's it. That's um, it. But yeah, yeah. But they're they're exciting, right? There's you know there's a lot of talk around Adelaide and Port that you know making finals this year. Can they go all the way, even winning a premiership? I know this year they were talking about the Adelaide Crows. They're playing some great footy there. They could you know have a chance to, to win a premiership this year. So it'll be interesting to see. And um, long as they keep playing, long as they keep playing well, um, long as they just play their roles, forward put on pressure. I mean, the back line's playing well. Rory Laird's in the midfield, just dominating again. And um, Joshua Shelley, like I said, Joshua Shelley and Isaac Rankin, it's good to see some small forwards turn it on at Adelaide Oval again. There's no doubt about that, Ed. And you mentioned, obviously, what a way to start Sir Doug Nichols' round last night with a cracking game of footy. And, and you had some, some good memories in, in these rounds in the past. Uh, have you got any favourite memories from Sir Doug Nichols' round um, in, when you're in your playing days? Yeah, well, every every Sir Doug Nichols' round is uh, 
it's special to to me to be honest like every week uh, every year sorry i'll I would look at next year, look at the fixture when it comes out, when the third Doug Nichols round up. Probably the one that I I would have thought would have been the best third Doug Nichols round for me didn't happen. When I got uh, when I left Adelaide, went back to Carlton, um, I looked at next next year's fixture when third Doug Nichols round, and the AFL put it Carlton play Adelaide at Adelaide Oval in third Doug Nichols round, and uh, that was me going back to Adelaide Oval to play in third Doug Nichols round, and COVID hit. And we didn't eventually go, didn't end up going to Adelaide. And I was spewing because I penciled that one in to go back to Adelaide, play against the Adelaide Crows in third Oak Nichols round with Carlton. Um, but it did not happen. But for me, every every year, you know, I just feel like I, even if I was injured, snib, even if I was injured, I would find a way for this week just to get myself right. I played a swank, I'd say, jab me. <laughs> jab me, I'll tell the doctor I haven't got a swank this week. No, nah, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fresh, I'm fresh. I'm okay. And, I'm fresh and, you know, I've always wanted to, to play and perform and, and, you know, play for my people, represent my family, represent my people and, you know, I keep a couple of good goals in, in third Oak Nichols round in 15 and 16, I think it was, um, at Adelaide Oval where, where I won back-to-back goal of the year, mm. uh, which was which was uh, pretty special. I think the, the GWS one uh, in third Oak Nichols round, I reckon I hold that one probably the best goal that I've ever kicked only because my, uh, my auntie... My dad's sister, Annie Susie Betts, she designed a jersey um, that we wore that day. So my, they flew my grandmother and my dad and my auntie up from Port Lincoln, brought them up to the president's function, got to watch us run out in that jersey, play against GWS to win that game and to kick goal of the year in that game, representing my family and the jersey that my my auntie designed uh, was pretty special. So there are some, you know, there are some awesome rounds and awesome players that, that really perform in, in this week. But, and, and then again, you know, it's all about educating, learning, having the conversation, truth-telling. And I've always said to people, don't celebrate our culture on any given week or days, like Sir Doug Nicholas Round Reconciliation or NADOC Week. Let's, we have to continue to grow. We have to continue to, to talk about our culture, um, have those hard conversations past these, these weeks. And so that's the only way we're going to get better, the only way we can move forward as a nation continue to talk, continue to educate and have those uncomfortable conversations. But it is a week to celebrate. It is a week to embrace what we do and um, and how we do it. And looking forward to, to the rest of the week, to be honest. Oh, well, Eddie Betts, the pleasure has been ours. And, yeah, no doubt there is a lot of ground still to be made. We've still got to be, keep having those hard conversations. And you are a genuine statesman in that area, doing so well. Um, a lot of those goal of the year memories are seared into Crows fans' memories. The pocket is still named after you. Uh, I was sitting in the top grandstand when that happened. My jaw hit the floor, Bryce. Um, but, Eddie, thank you very much. Enjoy Doug Nicholas' round. Now, thanks, guys. And Bryce, uh, didn't surprise me you're doing some cashies. How much you get for that? <laughs> I, I, I learned from the best from you, mate, when I rocked up at Carlton. So, uh... <laughs> no, a, no, mate, you're the cashie man. You were Mark Murphy, you boys. And your arms, your arms are all right. I saw you were in a swing. Yeah, I had a bit of a uh, mishap on the footy field uh, with a broken thumb. But, uh, yeah, all healing well, mate. All healing well. You know, you know what that shows, Snib? Sorry to, to keep you older, but that no. shows you're getting old, brother. That's it. You just these old man injuries. I'm starting <laughs> to become more fragile, that's for sure, in my old age. It was the first hardball I went for. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, you take it easy. Enjoy it. And uh, Snib, keep doing those cashews. <laughs> Cheers, Ed.
Thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie Betts, Adelaide Crows all-time great, and Carlton as well. Uh, just for your memory bank, is uh, that goal VGWS goal of the year contender to take you out? Crows with the numbers at ground level. Is that goal of the year. Not his pocket, but his goal and his people celebrate. <laughs> yeah, massive show up ahead. A lot of footy news to digest and a lot of key games to preview. It's uh, 10 to 9. We'll be back in a moment. So good to have your company. What a chat that was just before Bryce Gibbs with Eddie Betts. That was a, that was a revealing and intriguing talk. It certainly was. And if you missed it or you want to listen to it again, It'll be on the podcast a bit later today, but that yeah. was, uh, I, I'm so proud of him. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd known him for a long time uh, mm. and we are good mates still. And I think when he first got to Carlton, he, he couldn't read or write. And for him yeah, to, wow. to talk in the media and, and have, you know, tell stories and, and educate people about his culture and, and his people, I'm just so proud of where he's come from and, and what he's been able to achieve. And he's doing some amazing work. Yeah. in the community. And we all know his accolades and what he did on the field and, and putting bums on seats yeah. and you know, creating highlight after highlight. But, uh, you know, and it's a credit to, to his wife, Anna, as well. Mm. She's, They're a um, team, she's aren't been they? An amazing support to him. And he's just, he's one of the, the greatest people you'll ever meet, Eddie Betts. Yep. He's a star. He's evolved into uh, one of the Indigenous statesmen, uh, the way he speaks about all things uh, Aboriginal culture and, and how far we still need to go as far as raci- racism is concerned. But Bryce, you've been a little bit of an adventure gallivanting across the countryside, sinking beers responsibly <laughs> with Campbell Brown. What are you, what's going on yeah, with that? Yeah, we both had a week off last week. One of us was apparently supposed to be working, wasn't <laughs> doing much work. We uh, headed down to Mildura, actually, for Mildura yeah, right. Week, which was uh, a great couple of days uh, getting around nice. the locals and uh, meeting all the folk down there yeah um, stayed on stayed on a houseboat all seasons wow. houseboat there which was uh, which was lovely a few cruises up and down the river there yeah um, a few gin tasting wine tasting Ooh. Uh, ate a lot of the, the local cafes and restaurants and yeah. uh, a bit of lawn bowls as well with the locals yeah, it was a fantastic couple of days. I'll lawn be, balls. I'll, I'll be putting my hand up for it again. Don't uh, worry about well, that. Uh, well, no doubt with the amount of money that you received <laughs> through the back door there. But lawn balls is such a therapeutic game, isn't it? You feel a little bit more at one with the world with your feet on that green grass. It was. And as you said, you can um, sample beverages responsibly, of course, yeah. while you're, you're rolling a few balls down the lawn there. Mm. And I, I was spewing because... I had a bit of a mishap uh, a couple of weeks ago on the footy field. Yes. I've, uh, I've fractured my thumb. Put so your thumb somewhere it shouldn't have been. Yes, so that, uh, that is true. And I was a bit unsure whether <laughs> I could get up because it was either going to be goal for lawn bowls and it yeah. was, ended up being lawn bowls. But I was, uh, I was able to, uh, to participate, participate yeah. with, with the, the, the thumb still in, uh, in a brace. But um, yeah. So how is the thumb? What's going on with that? The thumb's okay. The thumb's okay. It was uh, it was a bit of a compound fracture. Right. Playing playing footy a couple of weeks ago oh, yeah. at uh, <laughs> at Norlunga. So yeah, ten minutes into the uh, first quarter, got a boot to the to the thumb, <laughs> and basically uh, I looked down and the top of my thumb was just uh, hanging off. So oh god, wasn't uh, wasn't ideal. Something you don't see too often on the footy field, Tommy. Yeah. But uh, 
went to the hospital, got stitched up, and two days later, surgery. Yeah. Fixed the fracture, and here I am. Okay. Survived so, to tell the tale. Yeah, I've had a, uh, a dislocated pinky before, and it's uh, it's never looked the same still again. Still looks dislocated, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it still looks like crap. My daughter actually did that, and uh, she rel- she actually just pissed herself laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was running around the backyard shaking my hand. She was absolutely pissing herself. How was Campbell Brown? What was he like? Is he a bit, bit of a loose unit? No, nah, he was good fun. <laughs> he was good fun, and uh, I... I'm not going to lie. I sort of in, enjoyed and maybe took advantage of um, <laughs> the, the free uh, gins and yeah. free uh, wines that we got to sample. And Who uh, I was a little bit dusty on the Friday, <laughs> so he certainly carried the team yeah. on the Friday. But uh, yeah, he's fantastic. When everything's a bit dull and someone needs to liven up, bring the the team and spark everyone up. Yeah. He's certainly the man to do that. So uh, it was good fun to, to be around. Oh, very nice. Hey, we've got a gigantic show uh, coming up. We haven't even really touched on it, Bryce, because we had that amazing chat with Eddie to begin with. But big game for the Crows and Doggies today. They're both very evenly matched. I suspect that it will go right down to the wire. I mean, the Crows pushed Geelong a, a bit. I, th- I see the Doggies is a little bit below Geelong. So uh, it could be a very close one. And a happy hunting ground, Ballarat, for yeah. for both the, the dogs and the crows. I mean, the crows beat them down there last year yeah. from memory. So, I mean, they, they go in a little bit undermanned, I think, this week, the crows. Obviously, Phil Thorpe out, Tex rested, mm. and I reckon I know why he's been rested this week. Oh, do you? We can uh, touch on that a little bit later, oh. but uh, I think it will be a crack out. It's going to be very cold. Usually yeah, freezing. Pretty, pretty windy down there as well. So um, a big game for the Crows, though. It looks like there's going to be a lot of this all week, and it's particularly last night, this is a song that was going through my head. Why does it always rain on me? Is it because I like Port, uh, that's the most impressive I've ever seen Port for the whole year. That game, I, possibly the best game for the year. It'd have to be one of the the best games of the year. There's there's no doubt about that. And they probably they got off to a great start in the first half. And then when Melbourne wrestled the momentum back, and it looked like they were just going to go on with it. But like they've done in the last seven weeks, they've just showed grit. They haven't mm. won sexy. They've just rolled their sleeves up and got the job done. And to to come back and and hold on in the last couple of minutes of that game when Melbourne were were coming at them and to. Mm. To, to make it seven on the trot Incredible. and to be top two on the ladder, they're going very well with the power. They are the real deal. And to do it without Todd Marshall and uh, Chuck Dixon, that's an incredible effort. Um, we got a big show, mate. AFL.com.au's newsbreaker extraordinaire, Josh Gablich, is going to join us uh, just after 10. Lots of debrief there with the, the news of Alastair Clarks, and we're also going to talk about that. But what I'm looking forward to most, a very special edition of Tell Me Bryce about bizarre coaching rev-ups. Uh, we'll tell you why we're talking about that just after nine. In fact, that's up next, I think. So it's nine o'clock on the dot, top of 14 degrees today. A little bit rainy. We'll be back with you very soon. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, good to have your company this morning. Saturday, as we always say, best day of the week. Top of 15 degrees today. A few showers around the place. It's pissing down outside right now. Uh, Bryce, this is usually my favourite time in the morning. It's time for this. Tell me, Bryce. Tell me, sweet little Bryce. 
pretty sick of talking about it, to be honest. Tell me, Bryce. Yeah, he's been sick of talking about it for a little while, but we still keep pressing issues with him <laughs> because it's Tell Me Bryce. So uh, this week, Bryce, I was listening to, I'm not sure if you've heard Dill and Friends. I think Dylan was your former teammate. He certainly was. Yeah. Dylan Buckley, Dylan we're Buckley. speaking of. The, yeah. the son of Jimmy Buckley, Carlton yeah. Great, premiership player. Yeah. Yeah, not Dill, but his dad. His dad was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at GWS for a little bit as well. He's actually evolved. Speaking of people who have evolved uh, in the media post-football, he's evolved very well, hasn't he? He has. He's uh, He is quite the character, and he's doing very nice for himself. Got the podcast and the uh, the... List cloggers, I think, with Daniel yeah. Gorringe. He's got a few things on the go. He's, he's, he's looked like he's a busy man. He's got, a, I heard, he's got a whole team down there because uh, some girls I work with, uh, at, I'll just say Mamma Mia, they had to use a studio in Melbourne to record something and they went to Dylan Friend's studio and when they left that studio, they were going wild about how good looking all the boys were there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have been talking about Dill himself or Daniel Goring's, though, would they? Absolutely not. It was all, it was all their producers at Producey. They do a very nice job down there. Now, I heard uh, Luke Hodge talking about coaching rev-ups and uh, about Clarko back in the day, how uh, he would come up with the most unique ways of getting the team on board. Some of them would hit, some of them would miss. So we'll, we'll talk separately about the Clarko situation this week later in the show. But just this story I thought was a good one from Luke Hodge. Another one was up in Sydney. It was the year Bud left, round eight, 2014, the first time we played Bud up in Sydney. Mm. And I was injured, Mitch was injured, and Sully was injured. It was the first time Clarko had coached without the three of us since 2005 and we're all waiting in there and I went up there as an injured travelling player and we're sort of waiting around once again the coach wasn't here what the f*** is going on <laughs> next thing the door opens and it's ironic the time the coronation with King Charles Clarko walks out dressed in the security with the big hat and the red outfit walks in there like the king's the, yeah the security the king's guard the king's guard and he's out there and he's like sitting down there and he had the straight face and we're sitting down there going what the going on here and his whole thing was it's a changing the guard <laughs> and the best part was i was sitting beside ruffy ruffy's taking a photo of clarko in the king's guard uh it got me thinking do you have any recollections of some bizarre coaching rev up say because they've always got to capture your your hearts your minds with with a story Something that gets you going each week. They do, and there's been plenty of them <laughs> yeah. over the journey. And I don't know what it is, but all coaches, whether they try to outdo themselves by hearing yeah. stories of other coaches coming up with things pre-game, but you're right. Uh, there is usually a story from week to week in terms of what the, yeah, the theme of the, the week is or, or how they're going to get their message across in, in different ways. Yeah. And, um, Mick Moldhouse, he was one he, – he would go down the war – yeah. story sort of theme, you know, keep it pretty tell grim. Um, yeah. Stories <laughs> about, you know, crossing the Rubicon and, and okay. try to relate it to footy. And it was a, all a bit pretty straightforward, but yeah, rats had some interesting ones okay. back in the day. And, and he went through a period where he would hand draw things on the, yeah. on the whiteboard. So you'd, you'd walk in and it was sort of like, we, it was pretty superstitious from memory rats. Okay. So he must've done it one week and we, Went out and 
performed well. So okay. for, the, for the rest of the, the 20 weeks in the year, <laughs> he'd come up with a theme and he would draw on the on the whiteboard. So you'd walk into the team meeting <laughs> not knowing what it was going to be today. And he, like he would have hand-drawn with the – the, the texters, the yeah. whiteboard markers, all in different colours. And like, he was wow. actually a pretty creative drawer. He was quite artistic. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, and then, so the, the, I'd never forget this one though. It was, well, I can't remember who we were playing, but it was, the theme was, are you going to be the mongoose or are you going to be the cobra? <laughs> so on, on the whiteboard, he'd drawn this big cobra, like fighting this mongoose. Right. Now, hang on. Before that, who wins out of them? Who go, because well, they look, seem pretty evenly well, matched. We were unsure as well. So <laughs> what we actually got to sit through was a 15-minute YouTube clip of a mongoose <laughs> fighting a cobra. Yeah. So I think. For the people in the room, the young guys, they just thought the cobra would get it done. Yeah. A venomous snake had just wrapped this little four-legged thing up and be an easy, easy, easy win. kill. But obviously, mongooses, if you don't know, <laughs> kill cobras. Right. So rats <laughs> made us sit. This news to me. This fifteen-minute YouTube clip of yeah. this fight, this epic battle between this mongoose and the cobra, and after about five minutes, we're all sort of looking around at each other, going. <laughs> we got to get out there for the warm up in a minute, and uh, at the end of it, it was basically like, "Well, boys, what are you going to be today? Are you going to be the mongoose or are you going to be the cobra?" That was it. We okay. Like, and um, so, did you see the end of the fight where one would win? Yeah, the mongoose got yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The mongoose got up. And how did the mongoose get up? Like, what does he do? He just like circles it and attacks it, like strikes at it. Okay. You'd think the the cobra would be the one doing the yeah, striking, yeah. but uh, the the mongoose ran it around in circles, tied it out, and yeah. struck when it was uh, at its weakest point. Okay, well, well it's all good stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so, I love it. Like, where, where would you get that from? Would he just be perusing would YouTube? Would he just be searching YouTube the night before and go, "Oh, yeah, I've got it. That's, yeah. the, that's the one I'm going <laughs> to run." It's so with. funny to think because it's such an elite environment where you know you'd think uh, they they would never get something wrong, or they, but they have to be creative to capture because it's again and again and again to capture their imagination. I've got absolutely no idea, but I was coach of the uh, under-15s girls footy team. And my God, that was just difficult to capture their imagination every from week to week. So imagine an AFL team. Um, Luke Hodge also spoke about how uh, whether they would win or lose, it's always a difficult thing for a coach to acknowledge um, whose fault it was. What coaches do well and what Clarko does well is if he feels that if the players played poorly and didn't have the right attitude, and they lost, then he would have a go at the players. But if he felt that attitude was there, but the tactics weren't, he'd blame himself. And he was doing that. It's my fault. I feel. I feel like. And then he's whacked himself in the head, and then did the old stumble back. And, <laughs> and we're, the only thing is, being under him for so long, you think that's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> this bloke, you... Yeah. So uh, they're a different makeup. To be a coach, you've got to be wired up a bit different. Yeah, and there's been more examples of that. Even after a game, put in a poor performance. Yeah. The, the coach is fuming, smacks the whiteboard with his hand in in anger and you can tell it's hurting because yeah. he's like <laughs> wincing and so you can see a tear coming yeah. in his eye, but he's trying to put on a brave face, actually hurting himself, whacking us, well, whacking the, yeah. the whiteboard after giving us a spray post game. So there's been plenty of those uh, situations as well. It seems to be a common theme of seeing the ki coaches kicking drink bottles that they think are empty and they're, and they're full <laughs> and <laughs> almost breaking their toes. Bryce, 
Still massive show up ahead. That was fantastic. But we're going to get to question time next. You've been working away on a few questions. And we also uh, need to ask you guys out there, we want to hear your favourite Indigenous players uh, throughout the years because it's Indigenous round, so Doug Nichols round. Or if you want to go bold, you tell us your favourite Indigenous artists. I'm talking songwriters. Bryce and I were talking during the break. This one is Bryce's favourite. Jessica Malboy. So your favourite Indigenous artists or players over the journey. We're going to get to question time up next. So much still to come. It's 12 minutes past nine. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Long. Sean Burgoyne, who delivers beautiful on the chest of Thurston. Pick it to the Adelaide. Put it away. Byron Pickett, electrifying speed. Runs inside 50. Oh, don't Yeah, that's Byron Pickett there. Uh, another classic uh, Indigenous player goal. We're going to be playing those throughout the morning. There's so many memories there. Um, Bryce, I was on Gumtree during the week. Have you, have you ever used Gumtree? I've never used Gumtree, no. No, it's, uh, well, it's a local, as many of you would know, local buying, selling, you know, get your goods. But it's, it's changed over the years, I've realised, because I've sold my car on there, po- posted it on there within 30 seconds to a minute, I had a cascade of about literally 50 messages of people going, how much for the car will you take, you know, and offering like ludicrous amounts of money saying they're going to come over. We're coming to your house right now. We know where you live. And it's just like absurd. So um, I found out that that's where the scammers go and they uh, all target you. So just a heads up. It was an old um, gag. The boys (laughs) used to play as well, actually on Gumtree. They would post something up and then add that someone's mobile oh, to it. Yeah, so then okay. all of a sudden randomly you're getting yeah. hundreds of yeah calls calls and texts. Yeah, it might be like Calm. free tickets to a concert coming up that didn't exist. But Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was so that, petrified. That, that, that was a gag running around. <laughs> Not what you want. Might be uh, sharing on. your number a bit later, <laughs> bro. But that, that, that scared the crap out of me because they were so intense. So when I ended up meeting someone, I met them, you know, down the road from our actual address because, uh, you know, who knows what would happen. That's uh, a warning for everyone about Gumtree Price. It's time for this. I asked the Prime Minister, if you are so confident about your view of fight back, why won't you call an early election? The, the answer is might, might because I want to do you slowly. <laughs> yes, each week uh, one of us does the other slowly uh, View through question time. And this week it is your turn, Bryce, to uh, put me under the grill. It is my turn this week, Tom, and I've got a few questions lined up for you. Obviously, the Crows and the Power are having great years respectively, mm. and finals is certainly in the mix. Porter sitting second on the ladder, mind you. Crows are hovering around the eight. I want your thoughts. Who is going to finish higher on the ladder from here, do you think? Oh Well, after last night, it's got to be Port for sure. They've passed more tests. I feel they've already beaten Melbourne and the Dogs, and, you know, 
as part of the merry-go-round, Adelaide have beaten Saints and beaten Port early, but that was when Port weren't quite on their game. So I feel like Port have a more robust uh, system to the Crows, just slightly though, just slightly. And they have won a lot of close games yeah. too. So if a couple of those results had have gone the other way, they might be a little bit closer on the ladder. But Yeah, seven yeah. in a row as well. I mean, they're top two right now, That's so they're looking pretty good. Very impressive. So we saw the AFL release the uh, the time slot, the rest yeah. of the schedule for the rest of the year. So yep. they looked like they rewarded teams in good form. Mm. You know, obviously Collingwood getting five or six Friday night games for the rest of the year. With the Crows and Power being in good form, do you reckon they were a bit stiff not to land a, a Thursday or Friday night time slots so can in the back end of the year? Can you just update me? Did they not land a single Thursday not or Friday? Not that I'm aware of, okay. no. Well, that's shit. They should have... <laughs> They absolutely should because they've proven time and again that they, uh, you know, they're probably destined for finals, both of them. But their game style is also box office, particularly the Crows. The way they're playing is highly entertaining. So you'd think for uh, a revenue perspective that they would want more eyeballs on the screen and people would be wanting to watch the Crows or Port Adelaide. Well, even the last couple of weeks, Port Adelaide games have been pretty. Yeah, exciting. Epic for sure. Epics. So, yeah, poor decision there. Okay. Uh, Kenny Hinckley, obviously a lot of talk mm. around his contract. We've spoken about it at length. At, at, at nauseam. On this show. But seven in mm. a row this point of the year, sitting second on the ladder, if they continue going the way they're going, does he just coach next year? Does he get another contract? Well, of course. You know, I would say of course he does because he's clearly – a great coach. He's clearly getting the messaging and the inspirational side of things very right. And you can absolutely see that there's a strong connection there between him and the players, particularly for the young players. Like he's still kind of a new coach for all those young guys. He hasn't been there for 10 years for them. He's been there for a couple of years. So uh, he's got them playing at their best, but I've got a feeling that what I'm saying doesn't really matter and that they are just simply going to judge it by how far Port Adelaide go into the finals. I, I think it's pretty much a prelim final that they're looking at, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Time will tell. Mm. Uh, now, this might be a tough one because there's yep. many of them, but who do you think the greatest <laughs> music artist of all time is? It's a ridiculous it question. Is, it, is a, it is a tough one. Probably but one of the stupidest we questions. Big, we make big yeah, calls on this show, do. so it's your time to make a big <laughs> one now. Well, God, I, I'll put it in two parts. You know, for sheer impact and the music that they've done and the way that it's impacted and uh, inspired other artists after them, the Beatles have to be have to be up there because of song structure and the way that they uh, changed the game as far as pop music is concerned. But as far I'm just going to speak to the present moment. As far as I'm concerned, right now, just at this moment in time, my favourite artist is a UK guy called Jack Garrett and he writes this kind of soulful, emotional pop music has got a little bit of electronic dripped through. We've just uh, had a grab put up. Hang on. We'll just give you a... When my heart starts beating And my blood turns cold So you feel a bit of the heartbreak there? So this 
this artist is on track to be the the all time greatest. So, so I'm just artist. saying he's my favourite right your, now. Your my favourite because okay. it's a question to me. Okay, that's so, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Haven't heard of his work, but no, I'm sure I'll uh, add it to the Spotify list. I'm sure you'd be uh, dancing vigorously <laughs> at uh, one of his electronic shows. Just too caught up in the lyrics, Tom, to think. Yeah, it was emotional. It's uh, he's a heartbreaker. I like yes. him, Jack Garrett. Nice. Well, watch this space, Jack yep. Uh And my favourite time of the week. Oh, mystery. Mystery question. Tom Lyon, would you rather get a paper cut every time you turn a page? Do you a reader? Do you read books? Yeah, it's from time to time. Okay. I weave in and out. Okay. Well, this is good then. <laughs> would you rather get a paper cut every time you turn a page? Yep. Or <laughs> bite your tongue every time you eat? Oh, God. Well... You know, it's another stupid question, but uh, it's actually an easy one. I would probably rather get a paper cut okay. because eating's important and paper cuts are minuscule. Yes, they hurt, but not. have you ever bit your tongue so hard that you? I've taken a chunk out of my tongue Yeah, before. it's not great. Yeah. I, I've had a bleeding tongue for days once and uh, that was, yeah, brought water to my eyes. Well, another fantastic edition of Question Time, Bryce. I think we're going to montage uh, some of those ridiculous questions at one stage because uh, I don't think they paint us in a good light, but we're going to keep doing it. It's currently 25 minutes past nine. Up next, we're going to preview the massive game between the Crows and the Bulldogs and also have a little bit of a look back over the uh, Port v Melbourne game and the rest of the round. It is 25 minutes past nine, top of 15 degrees today. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, it's so good to have your company this morning. Coming to you from SENSA's Studio Lumo SA at number one King William Street and powered by Lumo Energy SA and City Discount Tires SUV tire deals on now. Bryce, we got a text here on 0427-154-166 from Brett. It says, morning, guys. Another good one, Bryce. Are you going to be the Predator or Arnie Schwarzenegger? Now, that's in reference to uh, your Brett Bratton story about the mongoose versus the cobra and the way he inspired <laughs> the players with that story. Um, well, this one's a pretty straightforward one, I think. You would rather be Arnie, Yeah, you? because... He's indestructible. Yeah, and the Predator, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yes, of course. So I, I remember go that. down that path. Yeah. I, I, I hopefully that's Predator. I, I don't know if it is, it is, but... Or is it Alien? We need to check know. with producer Jace on that. I'm running with it. If yeah. it bleeds, it can kill it, and I'd rather be Arnie. If it bleeds, it can kill it. Okay? We, we can kill we it. We can kill it, yeah. Uh, Lee Matthews tapped into that uh, at one stage in the early 2000s, and, and it worked. Uh, another question for you, Bryce. This is from uh, Travis Spoke during the week. I feel mentally and physically still really good. Uh, I'm still enjoying the game. I think that's the part that um, will probably go first before the body. I, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but I feel great physically. But mentally, I still really enjoy competing, uh, wanting to get better, you know, do all the little things that, that you know, track knows that, are, that can be really, really tough at times, whether it's ice baths when it's cold and, um, you know, preparing your body as best you can, all that stuff I still really enjoy. So... Um, yeah, until I can't get a kick, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to cap it. I'm not going to put a limit on it, but I, I'm hoping to continue to play for a number of years still to go, but uh, a lot out of my control there too. Is Travis Boak capable of playing a couple more years, do you reckon? 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And mm. he's been an unbelievable player. There's no doubt about that. And there's no secret to it. The, the way he prepares yeah. himself, the the amount of hours, and the trips to the US spent on his body and more so from a, a recovery point of view and, and, and keeping himself obviously fresh bodied, but fresh in the mind too, mm. like to be doing it for, you know, 17, 18 years, however long he's been doing it for to back up every yeah. year, um, year in, year out and, you know, attack another preseason and to go through the, the emo, uh, emotional roller coaster of, of winning and losing mm. it uh it's pretty impressive and it'll just be it'll be it'll come down to form if if he's still playing a role and and getting a kick on a saturday there's no reason why he can't but if his form starts to wane a little bit and yeah. we all know that how good their their young brigade are, are coming on at port adelaide and especially through the midfield if mm. if his form starts to wane a little bit that's when when players can can get a little bit in trouble, but bit of a tap. The way the, the way he's going, uh, and if he keeps performing, there's no reason why he can't. Okay, I, I see. I predict he could go in one more year, probably. Um, he's uh, yeah, he leaves no stone unturned. He's into the mindfulness stuff, and uh, with those coaches who uh, do a bit of the yoga, a bit of the body movement, calisthenics sort of thing to uh, keep you agile around stoppages. Bryce, uh, we're going to preview. The Crows v Bulldogs game up next. It's a massive game for both clubs. And we're also asking on 0427154166, your favourite Indigenous player or your favourite Indigenous artist. We'll take you out with mine just to inspire a little bit, but we want to hear your favourite Indigenous artists or players. Yothu Yindi, mate. That was a hit. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Jeremy Finlayson's got one goal to his credit. Important kick. And he popped it through and Port Adelaide, they do not lie down. They are the real deal, Port Adelaide, this year. Lord's kick is a goal. Well done, young fella. Take a bow, Ollie. Ben Jones, Frank Francis had it lofted. Goes after again. Rosie, goal is it. Got it. Got it, Rosie. Unbelievable. Port know that one. Hickley on the side. Crowd is standing. What a game of football. Silent Sands and Port Adelaide prevail again in an absolute thriller. It was a pivotal game for Port Adelaide season last night up against Melbourne. Big, big scalp. And it's a season-defining moment, Bryce, I would say. I reckon you're spot on there, Tommy. And that was just the scalp they needed to really solidify them as a they're a genuine contender. They have yeah, to be now. With, absolutely. With winning seven on a row and to knock off a team like Melbourne in those conditions who we know how good Melbourne are around the ball in terms of clearances. Yeah. Uh, contested ball, obviously ruck dominance in there, but obviously a bit of bit of rain. I think helped Port Adelaide last night. wasn't yep. a, wasn't a 
a night for the big fellas and they were missing a couple of tall timber yeah. in Dixon and Marshall, Marshall, Georgiades, these guys up in the team at the moment, but you just have to tip your hat to them because they got to about 10, 12 points down late in that third quarter. Melbourne wrestled mm. the momentum back. Looked like they were just going to go on with the game, but uh, Port, to their credit, stuck at it. Uh, led by Zach Butters, who had a, a career night in terms of his performance. And yeah. they just stuck at it and, and found a way to win by four points. Yeah, 41 touches for Zach Butters. 148 Dream Team points, for if you're interested in that. And a couple of goals, I think, as well. So it was, yeah, career best night for Zach Butters. Uh, Burton up forward. That works as well for now for Ken Hinckley. He played up forward as a, as a junior, so he's got that in him. Ken's willing to move the magnets around and... I want to get your thoughts on Port Adelaide's style of play, Bryce, because it's it's notable what they're doing is going down the line initially when they're coming out of back and they're just swarming with numbers at the drop of the ball and then they're not afraid to uh, bite off the centre uh, square kick, take it through the middle and everything opens up for them from there. Well, it's predictable, isn't it? You know, mm. when they're coming out of the back line, just to get down the line, get numbers there, win the ball, and then try and get it into the good ball users. Get it into Rosie's hands. Get it into Butter's hands. Yeah. Get it into Kane Farrell, who's running the wing. They can pull the trigger back through the 45, get some run and, and carry, some overlap handball, and get it into their forwards nice and quick. So the, uh, there's nothing sexy about that. It's, it's just no. it's, it's pretty, pretty simple <laughs> footy, but it's been very effective and – to win seven on the trot, it's uh, teams are going to have to start watching out. Yeah, it's working for them. Rioli still to come back as well as Dixon and Todd Marshall. Uh, for As far as Melbourne are concerned, well, it's not a bad one for Melbourne at all. I thought that it in some way even lifted Melbourne's credentials just as a powerful team in the third quarter, Bryce, when they just piled on in the rain. I think it was seven or so goals. Oliver and Petrarca were pivotal as usual, just so powerful to step up whenever they're needed. So uh, Melbourne, I'd say they're still a top four team. Yeah, no doubt about that. And to to Melbourne's credit, they they had a lot of players down in the first half, especially Petrarca only had about seven or eight touches to half time. He did lift in the second half and, and was a big factor in getting them back in the game. I think Viney had a quiet day by his standards as well. Obviously, we spoke about not being a, a night for the big boys. Mm. Gorn and Grundy's output were down as well. And credit to Scott Lysette, who found his way out of the side. He uh, he played in the Sandful last week against mm. uh, my Panthers, actually, and only played three quarters. So it looked like they were priming him to be ready for this battle against, yeah, obviously, the two, big boys. two very, very good ruckmen. And he went at it solo most of the night and, and put in a very good performance. Yeah, we've got a question here on 0427-154-166 from Jacko. He says, hi, guys. Do you think coaches will stay down on the bench during finals, unlike home and away games? Now, last night, Kenny was literally dancing uh, on the bench at the final siren there. I mean, I, I'd say they they would. If it's working, then they're just going to keep doing it. Well, just an individual preference. Preference, isn't it, really? We've seen coaches start on the on the boundary line and then move from up. week to week, move up. So Chris Fagan's one of those guys that I think is back up in the coaching box now. We know we spent a lot of time yeah. on the bench, but Kenny's been doing it all all year. Yeah. Might have been doing it for a couple of years. I don't know, but it seems to be working. Gets to gets to talk to the players as they're coming off. And there was a couple of good moments of him with some of the young guys after the game. Yeah. Butters and Rosie just getting his, 
his hand around him, his arm around him, and just telling them how good of a job they did uh, in a, on a great performance for Port Adelaide. Yeah, I think Kenny likes it because he can get his message through in the moment and it also gives him a read on the players, know how hard they're trying and, and allow him to have a little bit more empathy for what they're doing so that he can um, see actually what's going on in the ground. And, and it shows a great amount of trust in the assistant coaches for um, what they're doing strategically up in the box. Now, Bryce, we're going to move on to this big, big game. Up ahead today from 1.40, I think it is, Adelaide versus the Bulldogs up at Mars Stadium. So Bulldogs home game. It's got to be blustery and windy and a difficult game cold. for, yeah, Always cold. cold down, at, Ballarat. Uh, down at the Rat. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times and it was uh, cold Chilly. and it was uh, minimal, I would say, in Ballarat. But the people there are some of the best people you meet in the country. Mate, well, how do you see this game being won or lost uh, well, it's the midfield battle for mine again. Uh, we know Adelaide's yeah. a little bit undersized down forward this week with Tex being rested. And I've got a, a theory on why he's yes. being rested this why week. A little bit that? unusual because he is in very good form. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay, but good hook. The Bonts is in Brownlow yeah. form this year. Liberatore is so important to him as well. So it's going to be a fascinating battle in there with Laird. Mm. Dawson will go through there, no doubt. So I reckon whoever can get on top in the stoppages, and we know the Bulldogs, how tall they are down forward. Yep. Uh, they might just be able to outstretch the Adelaide defenders. So whoever can yeah. get on top in the clearances, get the ball forward uh, and put the defence under pressure will go a long way to winning this one. But uh, I think yeah, just with Tex out, Phil Thorpe out, I think mm. uh, the Bulldogs are well-placed to win this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very close one, but possibly the Bulldogs just getting over the line. It's going to be fascinating to see how Murray, Butts, and the rest of the back line go against Norton, Lobb, and Hugo Hagen. So you've got probably Murray on Norton, Butts on Lobb, and then who takes Hugo Hagen? That's a, that's a great question, <laughs> isn't it? We've seen Hinge, yeah, Hinge do he does some, a job. some good work. He, he plays a lot taller than, than required most weeks. So he's a bit of a swingman, can play tall or short. Uh, interesting to see Alex Keith being omitted yeah. for this one. I thought he'd been pretty solid. But uh, maybe with a couple of the Adelaide talls, tall forwards not playing in this one, he gets a bit of a rest. But yeah, uh, yeah it should be a cracking game. Great chance to test Adelaide's depth. The, you know, we're going to see Gollant and Himmelberg get a crack. You know, if ever there was a time to sort of step up and announce themselves, they, they, they are at the moment depth, but they are very good players in their own right. Well, what it does, it makes them a little bit less predictable as well. We all know Tex, how much yeah. of a focal point he is when he's down there. Him not being there, it'll, the likes of Gallant uh, and Himmelberg can, mm. you know, they might share it around a bit more and, and be a bit more uh, unpredictable going forward, which, which could uh, work for them. Yeah, and Luke Pedler. Now, how's this? Last week, he attended six centre bounce uh, centre bounces for three clearances. So he's clearly got uh, something special with his power there. I, I'd say, hopefully, he'll be attending a few more centre bounces. Well, I reckon he's a natural midfielder anyway, yeah. and for him just to break into this side, he had to go to a half forward and yeah. apply his craft down there, which he's been doing a fantastic role for the team. Mm. Plenty of forward 50 tackles, hitting the scoreboard. But I think as he progresses in his career, he will end up as a centre square midfielder.
Yeah, he's got that burst away speed and uh, just needs to up his fitness over the next preseason. He will definitely be a fantastic midfielder for Adelaide going forward. That's a little bit of a consolation prize for, you know, Fisher Mackesee. That pick was split to get Fisher Mackesee and Luke Pedler that year. So, uh, you know, Luke Pedler has worked out for all those knocking Adelaide's drafting choices. Bryce, now, why why is Taylor Walker missing? Well, it might come to a surprise to a few mm. that he's being rested. Yes. Because he's in super form. And knowing Tex, he wouldn't want to rest if he's feeling good. And and, mm. and I don't, yeah, yeah, he'd and, be. And he's not injured. I don't reckon right. he's sore. So he's got three games to 250. Okay. So... If he plays in Ballarat today, then he plays the following week here in Adelaide against Brisbane. Yep. His 250th game will fall against the Gold Coast in Darwin. Right. Not an event over there. I wouldn't have thought so. So <laughs> I reckon he had the option to either rest this game or the Darwin game. Yep. And like most, picking the nice, warm climate of Darwin to yeah, play. get away as well. Over a windy, cold Ballarat. That's not good for the older players as well, it's that not, cold. He will rest today. So he plays his 250th game the following week after the Gold Coast game here at Adelaide Oval against the West Coast Eagles. Bryce, that's a bombshell. Is that, it's not conspiracy in any which way. It's, it's the, do the clubs really talk about that sort of stuff? I have no doubt they would have had that conversation. Wow. And it would have been planned like this. Hey, uh, speaking of champions of the game, uh, Indigenous champions as well, uh, which Buddy Franklin is, I'll just uh, get a bit of this. Burgoyne out, kicks it up towards up the against wing. Essendon. Buddy Franklin goes back. Advantage is paid. It's a one-man fuck He's away, running down towards the 50. Can he do it again? Man running back towards the goal square. Needs to be closer. <laughs> Do you think we should, like Buddy Franklin, celebrate our champions a little bit more? Because this is looking like his last year. And they do it well in America where they, they get a big ovation wherever they go for, for their final few games. I feel like we should embrace it more. How, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, it just depends on the, the individual, I suppose, doesn't it? Hmm. I mean, there's plenty of greats over the years who don't like the limelight, don't want it to be about them and would be happy just to knowing in their mind that this is probably their last mm. year. And I'm talking guys like you know Corey Enright and yep. Cade Simpson, the, the quiet achievers who just go about their business. And then at the end of the year go, mm, I'm done. I'm going to retire. I don't, I don't want to do a press conference. I don't want to, mm. don't want it to be about me. I just want to go do my job, win games of footy and it be about the team. So it, I think it comes down to the individual, but you know, someone, like Buddy Franklin, what he's done for the game, uh, I reckon there'll be a little bit of it. If he decides that this is his last year, yeah, there'll be a bit of a, a send off towards the the back end of the year. I would have thought, bit of yeah, a, a touring, touring send off. I, I would like to think so. He travels to Brisbane and Perth still, and I think he uh, comes down to Adelaide at some stage as well. It would be great to see crowds, uh, rather than booing him, um, give him a good send-off, send-off, American-style. Bryce, up next, we're going to be speaking to a very special man. His name is Brendan Talbot. 
He's Port Adelaide Football Club's Indigenous Community Programs Manager, and he's going to be speaking to us uh, about all the very nice things that they're doing in their Indigenous programs and about the Power Cup competition, which is breeding a lot of young talent right now. So we're going to hear from Brenton up next. We're still asking your favourite Indigenous players over the journey and your favourite Indigenous artists over the journey on 0427-154-166. It's 10 minutes to 10. We'll be back with Brendan in a moment. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, so good to have your company this morning on what looks to be a very drizzly day. And we've been asking on 0427-154-166 your favourite Indigenous uh, artists or players. And Kate sent in this one. Do you recognise this, Bryce? Christina knew. That was what I was going to say. Yeah. You didn't give me a chance to guess it. I know, because I knew you wouldn't. Uh, it's a banger. Why don't you come join my party? Bryce, it's time to uh, talk to a very special man. His name is Brendan Talbot. And, uh, Brayden Talbot, sorry. And he's on the line right now. Brayden, have we got you there? Yep, I'm here. Thanks for having me this morning. No, thank you for joining us. Hey, we were just watching at Adelaide Oval last night. A lot of kids running around. Um, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. It was pretty hectic, but we pulled it off. We had over 500 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students that uh, participated in the Santos Aboriginal Power Cup, which we run in conjunction with uh, the Education Department and specifically SASTA. Okay. And so um, tell us about your role at Port Adelaide. Yeah, so I manage the Aboriginal programs there, which um, predominantly, like I said, is the Santos Aboriginal Power Cup. But we run a variety of programs, being the Power Sustainable Connect and also Respectful Relationships. And we service about 62 schools statewide, um, which is amazing. And we see over over 500 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students every year. Fantastic. What a great initiative. And, and how can uh, schools and, and kids uh, get involved in, in these programs? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, in partnership with the education department, we work um, we work with SASTA and the SASTA Academy statewide, and they enrol in to do the Santos Aboriginal Power Cup, which is a program we run, um, and the students have to partake in our workshops around the state. So we take our, our staff out and our AFL and AFL women players, and we deliver a workshop that aligns with their curriculum and really around their cultural identity. And then the mm. students to be able to participate in it have to attend school at 80%, uh, complete all their schoolwork, and uh, their behaviour has to be at a really good standard as well to participate. Fantastic initiative, Brayden. Um, it's the largest footy carnival of its kind in the country. What, what are the age ranges for these kids at? Yeah, absolutely. Look, this is the longest-running uh, education-based strategy program with an elite sporting club in Australia. Wow. Uh, and we work with a variety of uh, age groups, but the one with the Santos Aboriginal Power Cup, that's from grades 10 to grade 12 around the state. So right. pretty fortunate to work in this space with them. So is there a uh, pathway sort of, what, what, if they're showing a lot of promise in these cups, there's a pathway for them if, sort of through to the draft or to those those yeah, clubs? Yeah. Yeah, look, we, this is, it's a bit different. This isn't really a talent program. We kind of use footy and our brand as the, 
yep. the carrot and the vehicle to get our young people to school. We um, Look, it'll be amazing if we could see some go on to get drafted, as we've seen in the past. But really what we're really focused on is getting our young people through to year 12. Um, and then we partner with with our with our partners in this space, um, with the likes of your Santos's, um, Blooms of Chemists, and all these organisations, um, Attorney General's Department, to be able to provide a, a pathway into a career post school. So uh, we've got many partners in that space that can provide opportunities for our young people. Oh, with a, a fantastic initiative, um, Braden Talbot. Port Adelaide Football Club's Indigenous Community Programs Manager. Um, thank you for joining us this morning and, and fill us, filling us in on that. Port Adelaide doing fantastic things. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brayden. Bryce, how good is that for those kids? Keeps them in school. Fantastic. And the opportunity for them to run around on, on Adelaide Oval. Yeah. Yesterday before the uh, the Power Bulldogs game would have been a huge thrill for those boys and girls as well, no doubt. Yeah, I, I got to uh, actually, you wouldn't know this, Bryce, but I got to run around on Adelaide Oval when I was an 11-year-old. Oh, did you play in the mini league mini last league. week? Yes. <laughs> no, we're not talking about height-wise. We're just talking about age here. So I, I ran around and I took a mark on the siren at 50 metres out and everyone's like, have a shot, Tom, have it. Now my limit, knowing, knowing that my limit was 25 metres, uh, knowing that I still took the shot like I was going to uh, kick the goal and, and the ball reached about the halfway point. And um, then we hung our heads and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a big thrill, isn't it, for yeah. for the juniors? Oh, it's massive coming through, getting to play on uh, on all the grounds around Australia at halftime or pre pre a match. It's uh, they get so excited, they love it. It's like the the pinnacle of their career. You know, Absolutely, young yeah, yeah. You feel like you're uh, with the big boys. Although, uh, you know, I was quite diminutive. Hey, Bryce. Before we get to the news, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this. Do you know any more about this one? Ollie Henry is out of the cat side, and I was reading on AFL.com.au. It says due to testicle. Do you know what's happened to his testicle? Ooh, no, I don't know specifically. <laughs> uh, Might have copped a whack. A whack in the. Okay. What. Well, the lower Ru region. Oh, uh, producer Jason just chimed in. Ruptured. Oh, that, do that doesn't that sound, doesn't good, does sound great at all. I'm sitting uh, here. I'm sitting here surgery. with a, um, a fractured thumb. I'm pretty happy that I've got a fractured thumb and not, not a, a fractured testy. A ruptured uh, <laughs> ball. Oh, mate! Wishing Ollie Henry uh, all the best as that one as uh, one of his boys heals up there. Bryce, it's ten o'clock on the dot, so we got to get to the news. But coming up, we are speaking with AFL.com.au's newsbreaker extraordinaire Josh Gablich, and we've got plenty on the menu to get through with him. It's ten o'clock. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, so good to have your company this morning. Weather is clearing up a little bit, top of 15 degrees at SA, but cold and wintry. We've got a text here on 0427 154 166 from Brett. Uh, we're asking, who are your favourite Indigenous players for Sir Doug Nichols round? Brett says, I loved watching all Indigenous players in my lifetime, but of what best of watching our beloved game one player stands out above them all with a crown, and that is the great Wanger, Gavin Wangany. Yeah, he was a footy god, says Brett. Absolute superstar. 
absolute superstar. He uh, he was like an elastic band, the way he'd sort of bounce out of stoppage and um, kick some amazing goals, wingers. I still see him around yeah. the place, actually, down on Green Hill Road. We bump each yep. into each other at the coffee shop a lot, and yeah. uh, he's still looking pretty fit. He is. He's, he's a good-looking man, actually. An, doing some artwork as well. Yep. He's an artist, does a lot of painting, and... Yeah, yeah, he's you well. actually check him out online. Uh, Gavin Wanganeen has a website where he's uh, got these beautiful Indigenous paintings he does. Uh, him and Pippa have a lovely little family out there. Now, right now, we've uh, dragged producer Jace in because he's got some updates for us. Jace, how are you going? Uh, I'm a little bit slow this morning, boys, after okay. a big night at Adelaide Oval last yeah. night. How good was that? Oh, man. The whole night, uh, if you haven't been to a Port Adelaide match day before, I thoroughly recommend it. Um, yeah. Particularly the way they put on the opener for Sir Doug Nichols round. Everything in the pre-match was timed to the second. It was perfection. Right. Um, so uh, the kids from the Power Cup getting around as part of the pre-game, the welcome to country, they just did it outstandingly well, Port Adelaide. And then... Obviously, the game itself was as it was. So, yeah. as you boys have already described, fantastic night. They had the yeah. uh, state game as well as yeah. a curtain raiser pre. They did? From about three o'clock, uh, SA took on WA. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd built for that throughout the afternoon, as you would expect. Obviously, not an ideal time slot. And I think everybody, including uh, the, the Sandfall, has acknowledged that. But the idea is to get those guys playing on Adelaide Oval. Um, okay. And they, they actually got a, a decent crowd towards the end of the game, which I, I guess is the, the key. It was a good game of footy. Um, the Sample got over the line in the end by, I think, two goals, 13 points. So Okay, uh, close game. Really close game. In fact, uh, the waffle there at one stage, late in the third, hit the front, uh, or at least got, got level. Uh, Jimmy Rowe was the uh, Foss Williams medalist, and he was a class above, funnily enough, boys. Yeah, yes. well, he at I that can't level, believe he's not on an AFL list somewhere. He, he would be useful at, at some club. I'm not sure, possibly like a Gold Coast or a um, West Coast, West North Coast, Melbourne, yeah, uh, Hawthorne. Yeah, he's certainly too good for his way skills for, are yeah, level. elite. Yeah, 26 touches and a goal to yeah. win to take that medal out. So and had a his good game. foot skills were the surprising thing. But used it well. Yeah, yeah. always used it well. All right, I will pivot here, boys, and get through some sports news for you. Yeah. I wanted to get Bryce to go through because I know he loves the NBA. So I'm going to throw to you in a tick. First of all, uh, A-League, Melbourne City, they are through, thankfully, to the A-League yeah. Grand Final. They absolutely flogged Sydney last night, 4-0. Uh, Sydney did go to 10 men there at one stage, but it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Melbourne, you know, uh, Melbourne City were far too good. Good yep. luck to them in the grand final against uh, whoever they're going to play. Hopefully, Adelaide United. Yeah, who, so who have Adelaide got? Do you know tonight? Central Coast Mariners. Uh, of course, we're two one down. Uh, it's the second leg, so hopefully okay. the boys can get a couple of goals early and then hold tight at the back, Bryce. Yes, well, two white. So they just got to go for it. All yeah. out attack. Just have a crack. Your mm. Kunda starts. No, nothing to lose. Would you play him? Would you start him? Why given not? that Ibazuki's out, and why, yeah, why not? I think so. Do it. Absolutely. Steve Smith is making some runs in England. Unfortunately, couldn't quite get a hundred. Yeah. But uh, I think he finished on eighty nine. Uh, got uh, LBW'd. Uh, unfortunately, oh, is this in county? Uh, county cricket. He's over up. there playing, yep. warming up. So. He's over there with a few Aussies, uh, playing for Glamorgan, I believe. So, okay. Uh, it, it, how's this for a description of a way to get Steve Smith out? He was trapped by a ball that seemed away and kept a little low. I think we're going to see some low, slow wickets okay. in England during the Ashes this year. Yeah. Um, he, at one stage, got 
uh, sort of tied up five off of 55 deliveries. Right. Uh, before he got dismissed. So he's got some work to do, Steve Smith. And uh, in tennis news, Simona Halep, you might remember her. She was a former world number one yep. in the women's game. She has tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs oh, again. Oh, you're kidding me. Second time. So she's yeah. gone. Yeah, that doesn't sound great, does it? No, it doesn't. You won't be coming back. No. They, Someone help. She's a good they, player. Yeah, that's probably she's why. an excellent player. Uh, coached by South Australian uh, tennis I forget his name now, but um, it'll come to me. They they believe that some of the performance-enhancing drugs are made so that they can evade these tests, but then they keep coming up. Well, that's what she's tested positive for, too. A blood booster, Roxadustat. I think I've pronounced that correct. Fairly sure I got offered that one night down the precinct. Yeah, but, um, yeah. That's uh, that's a topic a, for a give you a real boost. I would have thought. Uh, for those wondering, I did turn it down. Thank yeah. you very much. Gibbsy, what about the NBA? What's happening there? So we're obviously into the conference finals at the West and the East. The Denver Nuggets take a 2 Neil series lead over the Lakers. Nikola Jokic just absolutely dominating. So what he can do for a centre. He's like a point guard. It's unbelievable. He's unbelievable to watch. I read some stat, though, the other day. Don't sleep on the Lakers because in the last 30 years, only six teams have come from 2-0 down to win the conference finals. Okay. And LeBron has been involved in two of those six teams. Right. So don't count the Lakers out just yet, but they certainly are up against it going 2-0 down. And in the other series, the Miami Heat upset the Boston Celtics a couple of days ago winning away. So that game, game two was just uh, started actually. Uh, Miami Heat lead in the first quarter, nine to four. Uh, Boston need to win this game to level that series up. Yep. Okay. Good start for the Heat winning in the Garden. And I tell you what, the the Lakers series, they've had a couple of chances late in both games, one and two, to really tighten the screws and have missed both times. AD missed a, a shot for three, which would have got them within a point well, with LeBron's 30 seconds to go. Three-point yeah. attempts are horrible yeah, he struggled in, a bit. in this series. So, so if they get yeah. hot, he needs to lift. look out. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that, Chase. Well, I might have to have a quick chat with you about that booster substance that you've got uh, No, we're not going to talk about that again. Back, and when I said the precinct too, just to clarify, when I said the precinct too, I meant the nightclub. Thank you very much. Okay. So my phone's just gone ballistic. No, I was not talking about the beautiful club rooms at Port Adelaide, which <laughs> are filled at the moment with very happy supporters and yeah. rightly so. Yes, nothing illicit being offered around those rooms. Now, we've, we've got to get to a break because up next... Newsbreaker extraordinaire Josh Gablich has got a large menu for us to discuss. So we've got to get to that. It's currently 10 minutes past 10, top of 15 degrees today. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, Bryce Gibbs has finished gallivanting around the countryside uh, playing lawn bowls. He's uh, back to his best this morning and it's been a lovely morning celebrating our Indigenous players uh, for Do- Sir Doug Nichols' round. But right now, well, it's been a big week in footy news, a man who's right in the thick of it and there's still some more stuff spilling through as we speak. So we'll get to that. He's now a friend of the show, AFL .com.au's Josh Gablich. Good morning, Gabbo. Morning, Tom. Morning, Bryce. Good to be with you both. Yes, yeah, great to have you here. Look, let's let's start off with um, North Melbourne and Clarkson uh, just stepping away there. I'm getting rumours from a few on a few fronts that this 
uh, investigation is not going to reach any critical point of, of resolution. So um, it, it looks like Clarko and Fagan may be exonerated. That's what it's looking like at this point. I think we'll find out a little bit more early next week. But Jake Nile reported last night a really big story. He's been across this situation for the age all week. He's been getting some, some big stories. And he reported last night that they all three of them would include Jason Burt, the, the welfare manager, during that period. They look like they're all going to be exonerated, which is just amazing to think what's happened in the last three or four days that we've got to this point. So I just I can't believe we're eight months on and we still don't have a we don't have clarity. So we might get that in the coming days, but it's amazing to think where we are because it's it's been a it's been a pretty sad week, I have to say, mm. in Melbourne, especially in and around the North Melbourne Football Club, given everything that's happened with Alistair Clarkson. Massive balls up from Hawthorne. Um, also a big week for Brett Ratton. His journey has been amazing, just stepping back into senior coaching role. Well, Tom, I think this is the silver lining. I mean, Thursday was a pretty difficult day for, for North Melbourne, and they've had a lot of them since Brad Scott departed four years ago. It's been a really tough era for that football club. But I think the appointment of Brett Ratton late in the pre-season and, and it arrived at a time when they were just about to go back to pre-season. We know everything that happened with St Kilda. It was, it was, it was pretty ugly in terms of Brett Ratton. He had a two-year contract for that club for, for this year and for next year and he'd had a, a reasonable season. He'd had a, a reasonable three and a bit years in terms of his coaching at St Kilda. And by late in November, there are no spots left. All the assistant coaching roles are full. We know the soft cap situation across the competition is so tight. So essentially all he had as an option was a part-time coaching gig. So he's been working three days a week plus match day for North Melbourne. But they've got a guy who's been a caretaker coach twice before. Did it at Carlton at the start. Did it at St Kilda when he took over from Alan Richardson late then in that season. So they've got the perfect option there to deal with such a difficult situation. And and I think another silver lining in this week is we finally get to see George Wardlaw. I mean, mm. I'm not too sure if you guys are two across George, but there has been every week, North Melbourne's and Borders have just been waiting and waiting. He's played five VFL games this year. He had so many hamstring issues last year. We finally get to see him, and I'm not too sure how many will go out to Marvel Stadium today. It's a pretty ugly day in Melbourne at this point, but if there is a reason to go, it's to see George Wardlaw. Pick four last November. We yeah. get to see him for the first time alongside Harry Sheasel. So big day for Brett Ratton and a big day for George Wardlaw. Well, hopefully they can put a good performance in, Josh. Um, now, Collingwood, big game, obviously, against the Blues. Going to be a big build-up uh, to this one. Should be a monster crowd there, uh, even if the weather is going to be poor. But they're, uh, they're on flu watch, the Pies. Can you tell us a bit more about this? They are. I was out there yesterday and no Jack Inevan, no Ash Johnson on the track. And Craig McRae is pretty honest and he, he revealed pretty quickly that those two, they came to the club yesterday morning and they were turned away pretty quickly. They've got a really strict flu p- protocol at that footy club where they meet the doctor at the door and the doctor makes a quick assessment and, and sends them away. And Collingwood, like a lot of clubs around Melbourne and around the competition, have had heaps of issues with the flu coming out of the pandemic. And it's it's too early to rule those two out, but they're definitely in doubt. I mean, Darcy Moore travelled to Adelaide recently and was really, really crook and got up and played. So we'll wait and see if, if Ginevan and Johnson get up. They're, they're two really exciting players, obviously. And as you touched on, the MCC are forecasting 85,000 tomorrow. There's a, every chance they get really close to that 88,000 they got in the final game of last season, the home and away season, when I don't need to remind you, Bryce, that uh, it ended 
pretty poorly for Carlton in the end with that one point loss. And the interesting one at Collingwood is, is no Darcy Cameron. He's fit and available, and we thought he'd come back into the 22. He's been missing since round three with that MCL, and they've gone with Mason Cox again. So Darcy Cameron might be included as the sub, but an interesting choice, especially if the weather is a bit wet, to have a Ruckman as the sub. So just an interesting selection watch there. Yeah, Mason Cox's story has uh, had so many twists and turns. He's uh, he's a great one to follow. Um, Another nice story here, Max King. Is he returning for St Kilda this week? He's locked in. So oh. he's heading to Sydney today and he'll play against the Giants tomorrow afternoon, which is a big one because we thought last week that he'd get up and, and come across and play where you two are last Sunday, but he just had some niggles late last week and they, they pulled the pin. So no Tim Embry, he's in concussion protocols, but Max King's back. First time we've seen him this year. And I suppose when he did his shoulder early in the preseason, it was, I reckon it was December 5 or 6. It was one of Ross Lowe's first training sessions. We thought he might miss the first two weeks, three weeks. He's, he's missed the first nine. So to get him back in, to be six and three, they're in a really good position. But can't wait to see what Max King does. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get going, coming off a shoulder reconstruction. But they they partner him up there with Anthony Caminiti, who's been uh, one of the stories of the season, I think, just in terms of this guy was not on the list in, in February and he signed a three-year contract extension this week. So he's going to be at that club mm. until at least 2026. So can't wait to see Max King tomorrow. And good news for the Saints, they've got Jack Steele, who, who injured his knee at the Adelaide Oval last Sunday and had these scans on Monday, and I was told early in the week that he was no chance of getting up early in the week. And he trained yesterday for the first time this week, and he's just a machine. They were really surprised yesterday that he put his hand up to play, but he's a machine. He gets up really quick from from injuries, and, and he's good to go for Sunday. Uh, perfect for Saints fans to hear that, no doubt. And I know you're all over this one with the mid-season draft uh, fast approaching. You got any names uh, that you can throw at us, uh, and any from South Australia in particular on on clubs' radar? Well, I'm intrigued now by James Rowe, given his performance yesterday. I asked around about him last week, and there wasn't too much interest. I was a bit surprised that he didn't get another contract at Adelaide, to be honest, given how many games he played across those two years. There's a there's a guy at Sturt called Tom Lewis who's who's been this, this week. The AFL made some changes to the eligibility rules. So in, in previous years, if you hadn't nominated for the previous year's draft, you had to get an exemption. And the AFL was sort of clamping down on this. But there are a handful of players this year that, that fit this bill. So if you played three games of state league football at senior level, you're eligible. So there, there are a couple at the moment. There's a 25-year-old at, at the Northern Bullants called Brandon Ryan, who was playing for Marby Park last year. And Brody Holland brought him across when he moved to Preston this year. And he's going to get drafted by the end of this month, in, in 11 days' time. He's going that well. So he's, he's going to be a story for sure. There's, there's Quinton Narkle is one that everyone will know, mm. and, and he was very close to landing at Richmond during the SSP window. And the deadline closed. They went with someone else. And three days later, Jason Castagna retired. So they had the extra spot. So they actually applied to the AFL to, to get Quinton Narkle after the deadline. The AFL knocked it on the head. So we'll just wait and see, because he's been playing really well for Essendon's VFL side. So so he's another one. But we're always looking for, for some bolters. And there's one at Richmond's VFL program right now called James Trevisi. And, and he has come from a country league and played the first six games. And there's a fair chance he gets drafted. So a bit like a Josh Carmichael last year who'd come out of playing in Mildura, played six games in the SANFL and, and was drafted to Collingwood mid-year. So there's always some good stories at this point in the year. 
Oh, fantastic as always, Josh Gablich. Uh, you can read Josh's articles at afl.com.au. Some fantastic deep dives on there, Bryce. Josh, uh, you're officially a friend of the show now. Thank you so much. Always comprehensive, mate. Great to chat with you. I'll chat to you again very soon. Enjoy, enjoy the footy today. Thank you very much, uh, Josh Gablich, afl.com.au's specialist. Uh, it's 24 minutes past 10, so we got to get to a break, but we'll be up next with a few tips for the rest of the round. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyons. So good to have your company this morning. It's been a massive show, so if you missed anything, you can uh, jump on the podcast uh, on the SEN app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have Eddie Betts up there. That was a fascinating, intriguing chat with him, Bryce. Well, I'll tell you what, it's already up, Tom. That's how efficient we are here on uh, Saturdays in SA. Producer Jace, just on, on fire back there. Uh, I was just looking up on the TV screen. There was a woman drizzling bourbon over her ice cream. I might give that a bit yeah. of a go later. Well, it is Saturday. It yeah, is the so time to start living your life. Do anything you want on go Saturday. Treat yourself. Uh, Bryce, I just want to get a couple of your quick tips before sure. we uh, wrap up. So North v Sydney. Well, it'd be interesting to see how North go, mm. if they can respond after what's An been emotional a, a, response. a big week. And uh, Joshy Gablich said, uh, Warlord debut. But Sydney for mine. Yeah. Uh, what about Dogs v Crows? I think the Dogs will get it done today, Tommy. Yeah, only just. Uh, Frio v the Cats? I'm going to tip the Dockers to beat the Cats over in the West. Yeah, okay. They're on the up, Frio. Uh, Lions v Suns? Brisbane will take care of the Gold Coast. Essendon and oh, ooh, Richmond. This, this one's is a, a good tough one. one. This one's a tough one. I'm going to go Richmond. Yeah. Bring them back. And what about uh, Hawks, Eagles? Hawks will win this one down in Tassie. Carlton. Oh, Carlton. It's Collingwood. now or never. Now or Hopefully never. Hopefully the flu hits. Finally, Giants. Win. Giants v Saints. Oh, another tough one. I'm going to tip the Saints. Very good. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Indigenous Round. We'll be back with you next week.